If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd ask you to find Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Stop back and think about it. It was this time last year that was the last time you guys didn't know where you were going to turn in your Bibles before you got here. But having walked through the book of the Revelation and Titus back to back, we'll now over the next few weeks give some thoughts on Thanksgiving and the Advent, the coming of the Messiah. Tonight, I want to talk to you about part of the recipe for peace. And I truly believe peace, uh, being set at peace, is one of the great uh, uh, ingredients for truly having a great Thanksgiving. Um, I, I believe that there's a, there's a strange commandment here given to us tonight, and it's a New Testament commandment. And uh, I think we might find this commandment or command as challenging as any in the Old Testament. Because you know what it says? It says, always rejoice. And then there's a second one that'll give us, it, it, you know, it's maving be harder. It says this, in everything by prayer and supplication. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying I'm always supposed to be thankful. No, I'm not telling you that. The apostle's telling you that. So here's two commands that really come against a culture that uh, is caught up in affluence, and we always feel like we're missing something. We don't have something. It's saying no matter what, give thanks. And no matter how you feel, be, thank, uh, be rejoicing. So tonight, this is going to be a challenging, a wonderful challenging passage. If you would, look at Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 4 with me. The Bible reads like this, rejoice in the Lord. How much, church? Always. Always. Okay? Always. Again, I will say what? Why do you think he repeats that? It's like, in case y'all didn't pick it up the first time, let me make sure you know what I'm talking about. Rejoice. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Do y'all realize that's a command too? Who does that challenge tonight? Not me. I'm pretty relaxed. Right now. Do not be anxious about how much, church? Wow, this is a really confrontational passage. But in everything, whoo, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace be with you. Father, we have opened your word. Now, Father, you put it into us and help us to see it with your vision. And more than see it, help us to live it. In Jesus, I pray, amen and amen. You know, attitude will carry you a long ways. Did you know that? 
And if you happen to be a young person here, I would say if you can find a, a fairly decent attitude and a pile of manners and some genuine faith, uh, the sky's the limit. Because them three ingredients, you can enjoy most any crowd in any situation if you've got those things. Seriously. Um, a great attitude and, and, and just use your manners wherever you go and trust Jesus. Pretty much everything, every door in the world will open to you differently than it will to other people. I'd say that's a special message to young people, uh, but it's not just for young people. Amen? There's some crotchety old people that need that message. There's some rude old people that need that message. And there's some faithless old people who need that message. But I got to y'all by first making you think it was just something for young people. That was smart preaching. Y'all just don't know it. I was like, yes, Lord, tell them teenagers, tell them. Uh, I think this is a recipe for all of us. As we look forward to Thanksgiving as a national holiday in our country, I think it is a gift from God through our national leaders in history past to establish this in our country, right? But it is a better gift from God to establish it in his people in all seasons, every week, every day, in all circumstances, the question we might ask ourselves is, are we a people of thanksgiving? Am I a person of thanksgiving? A few ideas from this passage I want to share with you all tonight. First one is this. Rejoicing is as much an attitude as an action, and both are a choice. Rejoicing is as much an attitude as an action, and both are a choice. Now, somebody ought to say amen right there. It is a choice for you to have an attitude of rejoicing. In other words, you mentally are going around always considering, counting, and remembering what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, and let that be your attitude setter, right? If, if, you're, if you're laying under some wet house, you know, if you do the kind of work to say Tony or, or, or Carson, and Carson's already shaking his head. He already knew I was talking about him. Or if you do the kind of work Clay does, if, if, <clears throat> if anybody doesn't know what Dale Ball does, <clears throat> he puts up with it. <laughs> you know, you can have some really dirty jobs. Oh, how about being a mom? <laughs> America's dirtiest jobs, being a mom, right? Uh, you can really have some difficult jobs, right? And sometimes in those difficult jobs, you have to say, Hey, man, in the minimum, I've got Jesus. Also, in the maximum, I have Jesus. Somebody say amen. Come on. You, you can be in a great job that's hard to deal with. I don't know who fits in that category. He's like, I got a great job. It's just stressful. Right? You can have a great family that stresses you out. Not naming no names. <laughs> right? I think, I think something that we've got to get into us in a fresh way, and I don't think it's particularly East Rock, but it does not, not include East Rock. Do I need to say that again? It's not particularly East Rock, but it doesn't not include East Rock. We've got to start treasuring Jesus in the midst of our struggles in a fresh way. Now, I love to play card games. My favorite card game is Rook. All-time favorite card game is Rook. I like setback. I like... Uh, canasta, I like spades, and I like having those big cards. Like in Rook, it's one with a bird on it if you never played it. 
No matter what they play, if you've got that bird and you throw that bird down, it doesn't matter what they played. They lose. And if you're playing spades, whatever you establish as a higher, like we do high joker, low joker, ace, some people who don't know what they're doing throw a deuce in there. And if it's you, stop in Jesus' name. Um, just a little side sermon. You know, somebody can throw an ace of diamonds out there, right? And you can throw a two of spades. And guess what happens to the ace of diamonds? They call the game spades, not diamonds. I'm trying to give you all a clue. That, that two of spades cuts that ace of diamonds. Isn't that cool? And going up from there, somebody can say, well, I'll throw the ace of spades. Throw one of those jokers on that bad boy. <sighs> he wins. Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you in the precious and beautiful name of Jesus. Give me one problem that the full cross and the empty tomb will not ultimately answer. Why don't we put it in our thinking? I, I get more frustrated with my sin than I do anyone else's. Well, maybe except the people who are in the boulevard at Biscuitville. That's another story. And some days, I, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels like this. Some days I look at me and feel helpless and hopeless. I feel like an utter failure. And I have to take these, some of them are big truths. Some of them are the devil lying to me, right? But I have to take the whole package and when I put the full cross, I put the selfless, righteous sacrifice of Jesus against it, and I believe God about that. Then I say, yeah, you might be a failure. And in the flesh, you might be hopeless, but there is a God who is solving your problems. And I think about how the resurrection is, is really going to be my reality in Christ Jesus. Then what all of a sudden should I be helpless about what should I be hopeless about so this is an attitude choice the problem is and I'm not saying I'm not guilty of this I'm saying we are guilty of this the problem is we've fleshized I just made that word up we have fleshized our greatest reasons for rejoicing do I feel good do I have everything I want is everything going my way? Is the party I like in control? Are the people I like serving me? That's fleshizing. That's a made-up word. That's making it about yourself. The funny thing is, the full cross and the empty tomb would deliver us from that as well. Our attitude and our action. Now, the reason I throw in action is because I believe we ought to learn something. Y'all ready for this? Learn how to say, praise God. Everybody try it. One, two, three. Praise God. All right, I got, I got another one for you. Try this one. Hallelujah. On three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. All right, here's a radical one. You ready? Thank God. One, two, three. Thank God. All right, now I'm going to teach y'all one of them redneck ones. You ready? One, two, three. Oh, I, oh, wait a minute. I thought Ric Flair was here. Brothers and sisters, 
Having an attitude of rejoicing is a choice. We have to set our mind on things above. Say amen. But we've got to get our lips in the game. We've got to get our tongue in the game. We've got to get our vocal cords in the game. We've got to get the breath of life in the game. Hallelujah. Praise God. Rejoicing has to be an attitude and an action. As a matter of fact, you won't have time to write all these down. I'm just throwing them here for a sample. I would say one of the major themes of the book of Philippians is joy. Joy, joy, joy. Joy, joy, joy. Some people have it down their heart. The Apostle Paul has it down in Philippi. Rejoice is a command here. How many of you guys, hear me out, okay? I mean, hear me out. I am not speaking in condemnation. I'm speaking in hope. How many of you guys have been ignoring this command? What could shift if you become a person of rejoicing? Inwardly, you rejoice in the cross of God. Inwardly, you rejoice in the resurrection to come. And outwardly, you hear yourself rejoicing. Secondly, secondly, at peace, being a peacemaker, be a person of peace. That sounds silly, but if you will, go back and look at verse number five with me. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This is talking about, I believe, I believe this is talking about having an attitude of gentleness. Now, I know one of the popular words to use this day is, these days is triggering. Well, this triggers me because I am loud and brash. I'm bold. You know, it's, and, and this is telling me to have, a, to have a position or a demeanor or a disposition of gentleness. Well, no one has ever felt so safe as to be with a really strong person who they knew was on their side. This is not about weakness being exposed. It's about meekness being deployed. This is not about the loss of strength. It's about the control of strength. In other words... You don't have to avoid difficult conversations or strong truth. You just don't have to be a butthead. That's a theological term. You'll find that in the Easton's Biblical Dictionary. And if this isn't a message needed for middle-aged men in this here United States right now, I don't know what it is. We either melt away into silence and say nothing in the name of gentleness and kindness or we brashly come forward and make so much noise the wrong way that even when we tell the truth, people can't hear it. This is a challenging call. So I say it like this. First off, find your peace with God. Know you are beloved and accepted, and even if living this life kills you, he will resurrect you. Find that peace. Secondly, be a peacemaker. Want the peace you have in God Want it for other people. Want it. Want that. 
And then go around being a person who spreads peace. And that's got to come out of a position of gentleness. Now, we won't go there because if we go there, i got to go there. You guys know that. But let me give you a sample, just a sample. Matthew chapter 5 is right there at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of those verses. There are several of these, these things that we often call the, who knows, the Beatitudes. I always liked it, you know. That comes from this old fancy word, but I, I think this is the way you ought to be. It's the attitude you ought to be having. You know, that's the country version of that, <laughs> right? Some of those things basically say have this attitude and this action now, but the reward comes later, right? There are two, and this is one of them, okay? There are two that are really challenging for me because look at what it's saying. Blessed are the peacemakers. You see this? They are being peacemakers right now. Blessed, they're blessed now, all right? For they shall be called the sons of God. In other words, I believe he was revealing this is one of the true tests for the children of God. You think you're a child of God? Are you a peacemaker? Wow. Isn't that something? I love that you are blessed now. You are blessed every time you're a peacemaker, but it's really a long-term test to your true walk in God. Now, somebody might say that we're talking about some of the recipes, uh, uh, the, you know, peace is a recipe for Thanksgiving. I'm trying to tell you, if everywhere you go, you're trying to be God's man, God's woman. If everywhere you go, you're trying to work out God's will. If everywhere you go, you want to see people at peace with God and you want to be at peace with them, my goodness, your reasons to be thankful will be so many and so plain. Some people don't like that, though. Some people use just something as mundane as gossip to stir up stuff all the time. Some people, if they don't have a bit of intrigue, they're not happy. Some people seem like they got to be stirring something to be happy all the time. Lord have mercy. Seems like to me that the scripture tells us we ought to be settling something, not stirring something. If we're going to stir something, the writer of Hebrews would say, stir up one another in acts of love and good deeds. That's what you stir. You settle dissension. You settle division. You settle confusion. You stir up good works. I think a lot of times we get that backwards. We modulate the good works and stir up the foolishness. If you don't believe me, just look at our culture. Now, I'm going to embarrass you, but only a little. John, you go go ahead and raise your hand, John. I'm going to go ahead and call John out, all right? I don't know who else I can call out, but I know it's me and John. We'll be honest. Blair, raise your hand. It's you. Who likes sports? Who likes sports? See, see, I didn't know that about some of y'all, right? Uh, Spencer, you're wearing a Carolina thing. You probably really don't like sports, if that's all you got. Um, I'm just, I just kidding, guys. He's the only one I saw to pick on. Uh, Katie went to Carolina. She's, she's angry at me now, right? Have you ever noticed how, how something can happen, and what do they do? They replay it over and over again. And everybody gives an angle on what's going on. Uh, now, I called out John because, John, you'll remember this. You remember you guys had that, that one player, Grayson Allen. Huh? 
Well, no, I, I don't remember who the team was. I really don't, right? But that guy did something, and people thought it was kind of dirty. And, you know, I really, I really, what's funny is I saw my post in memories from some years ago. I said, I would just like to talk to that boy. Imagine how it felt for everybody in the country to constantly be playing something over and talking about you. And I wonder, was anybody, he's just a, a teenager. Did anybody come put their arm around him and go, hey, bud, that's kind of dumb. But you're going to be okay. I love you. I care about you. I see your, your, your vow. I, am I making sense to anybody? Right? And it's easy to see this in sports. That's why I bring it out. You know, Quarterback makes a bad pass, and they'll show it on TV 55 times before Monday morning, you know, right? And everybody, and they lose the game, and they doubt the ownership. They doubt the management. They doubt the players. They doubt the offensive coordinator. What a, it's just, it's a ball game. Do y'all hear me? It's, it's, a, it's a ball game. I brought something to show you in relation to this. Nothing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Come on, church. All right now, you, now you think about this, how we do this with the plays we make in life. When people mess up, when people fail, when people sin, do we step in to be known for our reasonableness, our gentleness, or do we step in just to stir up? Thirdly, quickly, I see the time fleeting. In, <laughs> enjoy the believer's unique privilege of conversation with God. Enjoy that. Now, here's one of those sort of probing questions. Have you been enjoying that? I don't know if, um, if you're anything at all like me, but I have times where it feels like my prayer life is very vibrant. I have times where it feels like I'm struggling to even want to pray. Maybe I'm the only one that feels like that. I have times where I want to pray and, and, and I don't feel like I know what to say. And then I have times where I'm talking, but I'm wondering, does it break through? So, so, so don't think I'm speaking to someone who has prayer wired, right? But if you look at the end of of verse number five, it says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. I, more than anything, I hear this privilege here to talk to God about everything. Am I making sense to anybody? Like, I, I have this, you know, um, I, I, have, I have this wonderful privilege to have a, a wonderful wife that I can't think of a single subject that I'm nervous to bring up to her. That's, that's pretty cool, you know. You know, um, whether it's our finances, our struggles with our, in our workplace, you know, not with other people, our struggle to get our jobs done. You know, other, it's, it's kind of tough sometimes for a man to say, hey, I'm feeling quite inadequate. But my wife doesn't, you know, twist that when I'm, when I'm sort of, so I feel so confident to just say whatever to her, right? How much truer should that be with God? who's already saying the blood of Jesus has sealed and secured you. You're adopted as my child. I won't unadopt you. You're accepted. Let's talk about it. Isn't that cool? I think sometimes we forget that privilege. And I, I, I think he says, whatever you're talking about it, talk about it with thanksgiving. 
Did you guys notice that? Whatever you're talking about it, talk about it with Thanksgiving. Here's why. You might want to write this down. I believe that if you take every conversation to God and you couch it in Thanksgiving, you can start by thanking him for who he is, and then you can thank him for listening, and there's a lot of other things to thank him for. But if you couch it, if you bookmark it with Thanksgiving, bookmark it with adoration, here's what I believe it'll do in the minimum. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> it will stop you from whining and complaining so much. It will stop us from floundering in prayer. You might say, I might say all kinds of things in the middle, but I am going to adore and thank God on the front and back of it. It will stop us from being listless, and it will begin, as we talk it all out with God, to reduce anxiety. It will. Now, I didn't ask this person to tell this illustration. I can't outrun them, but I can't out-arm wrestle them. But one of my coworkers, Amy Edlin, she's one of these people. Now, she's, she, at My Life Matters, even Mandy Loon, they're on vacation in Illinois. Let's pray for those guys traveling mercy. Even Mandy has a coworker to go and talk about administrative issues with. Amy is the only one in the equipped division. And so sometimes she demotes me and makes me listen to these thousands of words she says. And a lot of times what's so infuriating is because I don't really need to say anything. As she sounds it out, as the lunacy comes out through her mouth, she'll say, oh, that's crazy, or hey, that's pretty good. And I just go, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Wait a I may be exaggerating on the amount of brilliance, but not the lunacy. Amy, you, you know I'm right. As you articulate it, it helps you think about it. That's all it is. Well, imagine having the ear of God who does not chastise you as you say whatever to him. This is what he's inviting you to. Amy, as my coworker, I am her supervisor. She doesn't even have that guarantee. Sometimes I'll say, no, you're not going to do that. Or you can do that all you want to, but not with the budget. <laughs> she doesn't have the guarantee that she'll even be listened to. Hey, Tim, can I tell you something? I've got three minutes. You can go to your heavenly father. He says, take eternity. I'm here. Brothers and sisters, do you see the privilege? Fourthly, quickly, we don't always get what we ask, but we always get who we're asking. And that's good right there. I don't know who, that's a good point. Who come up with that one? Oh, the Bible came up with it. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've often heard of the Bible. It's the only book that every time you read it, the author shows up. Prayer is the only conversation where you're always the weaker party and the stronger party promises to listen. That's wild to me. There's this little story. I won't preach on it. I'll, I'll try not to. But let me read some of it. Luke chapter 11. It reads like this. 
The Lord Jesus teaching right behind the Lord's prayer said this, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if he asks, if his son asks for a fish, when instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give? Read it with me. Give what? To those who ask him. Do you see how amazing that is? He's like, come to me. Come to me at every conversation, right? Sometimes God's very good and gracious answer is no. And also me. No and me. Sometimes it's wait and me. And sometimes the yeses he gives are the ones we need the most him of. He'll say, yes, I'll answer that. And you have no clue what you're asking for. So also me. Like how many of you people have prayed for a child? And then in the middle of the night say, can we take them back? Or the comedic way I see this all the time, you see it unfold on social media. Some teenager, and you know I know a lot of teenagers, will say, pray for me, about to go for this job interview. Later on that day or the next day, praise God, I got the job. Six weeks later, I hate these people. Wait, wait, wait a minute, weren't we praying for you to get this job? Didn't God answer our prayer? You're walking in an answered prayer. So sometimes the yeses, serious business, are the ones you need his presence the most in. Yeah, do be careful, right, what you ask for. Amen. So, so could you see this invitation of God said, talk to me about everything, and you might not get everything you asked for, but I'll give you myself. Uh, next, and, 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 and even quicker, in the pursuit of peace, our minds create the space, our attitudes and emotions dwell. I would love to unfold all of my thoughts about verse 8. Did you guys get that list? It was awesome. You know, did you guys notice it? Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely. Think about these things. Think on these things. Dwell on these things. Dwell on these things with the, with the voluntary use of your mind and create a house for your emotion and attitudes to live in. What if the walls of your thought process were truth? Purity, honor, integrity, on and on and on. And believe it, believe it, brothers and sisters, this isn't the whole list. All of these could be expanded on. If your house is built with the walls of loveliness, then your attitude will have a hard time being one of ugliness. Wow, this is radical. And what he's really calling us to is to take every thought obedient to Christ. Now, I, uh, a couple weeks ago, Angel and Angel Lamore and, 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 and Will and Mary Lou Bailey are going out to California to visit their relatives for Thanksgiving. But last Friday night, we, we did a scavenger hunt. It was awesome. We went over to, to Michael's house and took a picture with his dog, uh, and we also took a picture with Michael. We liked one better than the other. Um, but we, we had part of the scavenger hunt, we had to take a picture with an animal. 
We're riding down Main Street very slowly. And Angel says, look, there's a cat. And this is his exact words. He says, huh. He coughs. He says, I'm allergic to cats. Bet. And he jumps out of my moving car to try to catch a feral cat. <laughs> and I stopped and did this. And I literally, this is, I said, why didn't Michael answer the phone? Because I tried to call him. An angel couldn't catch a cat. Thank God. I don't know if y'all have ever caught a feral cat. Barehanded. Okay. The Black Crows wrote a song about this called Hard to Handle. <laughs> I was thankful Angel didn't catch a cat. That's the, that's the image I get a lot of times of my thoughts. They're a little too wild and a little too dangerous to be healthy. And they need to be tracked down, caught, handed to Christ, and tamed. The Apostle Paul in two different places, uh, uh, Romans 12, 2 being one of my favorites, said this, Don't, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what, church? The renewal of your mind. See how y'all already knew that? That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It takes a lot of surrendering the mind and renewing the mind to begin to learn the will of God. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, he said, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I hope you guys see, I'm not speaking condemnation on any person in this room besides myself. I hope you guys can see that what this is in Philippians 4 is an invitation to walk with God in a very intimate, life-changing way. And what will erupt out of that is he will take away our anxiety and download his peace. He will take away our grabbiness and download gratitude. I would like a better Thanksgiving this one day this week. But what I would really like is a better Thanksgiving in my life. Maybe I say it like this. I'd like better Thanksgiving. Last but not least, and super quickly, here's an important exhortation. Carefully craft the cadre of examples you follow. Paul says, boldly, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. He is speaking from hard-bought experience. He could say, listen, I've been beaten several times. I've been arrested and thrown in jail. I've been stoned. I've been cast out of places. And I have seen that God is able to grant me peace in all these challenges. God is able to hold me up. Paul is saying in this one simple verse, I have sought God in my troubles. And if you want to copy me in something, you seek him too. I have found peace in my seeking and he will give it to you too. So what should we practice? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Sometimes the word practice makes me nervous. Like when you go to see a doctor, you go to visit him at his practice. I do not want him practicing on me. 
I want him experting on me. Amen? Especially in certain operations and things. No practice here, bud. One shot, get it right. Or if you think about sports, it tends to be if, you know, you practice a lot, when it's time to execute, you, you do well. So we're not talking about experimentation as much as we are about discipline. So practice these things. Practice what? Practice rejoicing. As a matter of fact, he said rejoice. I say again, rejoice. So practice it twice as much as anything else. Practice it in your inner man and practice it in your outer man. Y'all ready for the drill? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Woo! Practice rejoicing. Practice praying. If you have a prayer session and it feels like a failure, pray some more. It's not experimentation. It's it's discipline. It's repetition that we might meet God and grow. Practice being thankful. Practice letting your requests be made known. Practice thinking about all the good things of God. My brothers and sisters, if we would practice these things even near as much as we watch Hulu and Netflix, we would be less engaged with the culture of our world and less brought down by it and more engaged with the culture of heaven and more lifted up by it. Practice these things. I believe in my heart of hearts, I believe in my heart of hearts that this sort of pursuit lifts us out of not only anxieties, but doldrums and boredoms. They lift us out of grumblings and complainings. They lift us out of banality and emptiness. They lift us out of faithlessness. They lift us out of praiselessness. Imagine if all week long you had practiced these things and John and Michael strummed that guitar and you were ready to perform. Imagine if all week long you had practiced thanking God and praising God and Clay tickled the ivories. We'd be so ready to make the play. Imagine if you had practiced all week and the moment Carson kick drums, so does our heart. Imagine if we practiced treasuring Jesus and someone gave us a chance to talk about him. I believe this is a lovely invitation into a life of peace-filled gratitude. I'm going to sign the RSVP. How about you? Perhaps this all sounds strange to you because you did not know that the call of the gospel was to invite you into the life of God. You thought it was only the call to throw your life away. No, it's to invite you into the life of God. The bad news is sin wrecks us and puts us under his wrath. The blood of Jesus 
forgives us and places us in his pleasure. In his pleasure, he wants us to enjoy the life he hath. Do you know him today? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be adopted into his family and made his very own. Do you know him today? What do I want for you? Peace. Thanksgiving. Shameless joy. That's what I want for you. Where did I get it from? It's the recipe. Let's pray. Father, we love you, but only because you loved us first. And we love you a little because you have loved us a lot. You get a poor return on your investment. No wonder you place us in your son so that as you look upon us, you see him and you delight in us because we are in him. Remind your children tonight that their sin is forgiven in Christ Jesus. Their future is secure in Christ Jesus. Their joy is possible because of Christ Jesus. And peace has been made through Christ Jesus. Put our mind on he that is most lovely and make us thankful. And if there is any soul that stands outside of your covenant, call them into the Lord Jesus. In Christ I pray, amen.